This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by the Leader Score Assessment, a simple tool to evaluate the health of your leadership. Find out more at leadtowin leaderscore. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. And in this episode, we're going to show you what to do when you work for a bad boss. Wah, wah. <laughs> Man, this can be so frustrating. Yes, it can. Um, whether you're dealing with poor communication or no decision making, one of my personal bad boss favorites, or a leader who abdicates, or you know they're humiliating. They go on tirades. They deliver public criticism. They have unrealistic expectations. Um, those are all really, really challenging things to deal with on a daily basis. Um, but there are ways to deal with them effectively. And so today, we have five ways to deal with a bad boss that we're going to share with you. And by the way, for those of you that are bosses, there's kind of a, an ear you need to be listening with, not just how to work for a bad boss, but how not to be that guy, that yeah. bad boss. Yeah. So we've got Larry in the studio with us today, as always, and he's going to guide us through this conversation. So welcome, Larry. Thanks, guys. Let's just get right to it. Okay. Give me your best bad boss story. <laughs> there's so many to choose from. <laughs> Probably my worst job ever. I was an assistant to a music industry executive. And what was his name? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, her name, actually. And she would fall under the humiliating. She kind of ruled with shame and fear. And I have never met anybody like her, except she kind of resembled the Devil Wears Prada character that was played by Meryl Streep. Yes. Uh, she literally yelled. Uh, she would not communicate her expectations and then scream at you when you didn't meet them. And I went home every day in tears for about two weeks, and then I finally quit. I mean, I was just like, this is like psychologically abusive. The crazy thing about that was a couple of your sisters worked for that same person. Yeah. One of them with similar results and one of them somehow managed to navigate it. Yeah, it's interesting. One of the things that she did to kind of have retention is that she was super generous. So if you uh, had a baby or you had a birthday, she would give big, lavish gifts or parties on your behalf. Um, so it was kind of like an abusive relationship kind of thing, you know, that um, she kind of kept you hooked in with the the stuff, but made you pay for it on the backside. I've had so many bad bosses. Honestly, I, I think I've only really worked for one really good boss. Gosh. And, and he was really great. I mean, terrific. And I've talked about him on the show before, Robert Walgamuth, who ended up being my business partner. So I worked for a, a guy in college that humiliated me publicly. That was like the worst because my worst nightmare is to be right. humiliated in public, to be embarrassed in public. And he was terrific at that. Then I worked for a guy that was a micromanager that required me at the end of every day to submit a detailed time report of exactly where my time had gone. It took me longer to fill out that report that actually, you know, do the work I was supposed to be doing. And so I quit that job after six months. I just couldn't handle it. And it was a very, very great job that I'd wanted for a long time. And I just, I just couldn't handle that level of micromanagement. Then I worked for a guy who was very, I would describe him, see if you know this word, mercurial, mm -hmm. right? Right. You know, we just never knew what the weather was going to be Ugh. when we walked into his office. And sometimes he would ream out people with little self-awareness and to the humiliation of everybody. It was so bad that 
Everybody was embarrassed, not just the right. person that got reamed out. By the way, one of the most psychologically distressing things is yes. someone who's unpredictable like right. that. Yeah, totally. And so, and sometimes he was just affable and a blast to be with. And you thought, oh my gosh, you know, we're good. Such a such a joy to work for yeah. this this person, but you just never knew. So yeah, I've got a lot of stories like that. Well, those are some pretty good bad boss stories. I, we have a couple that may top that in the stack today really? from some listeners. So uh, we'll get to those along the way. And as uh, we said at the outset, maybe you have worked for a bad boss, but you want to listen up to if you are a boss, because there is something for you here as well. So five steps to dealing with a bad boss. One is to manage your expectations. You know, I remember seeing years ago, I think it was on 60 Minutes, they were trying to find the the happiest country in the world, right? And so they find out that it's this particular year, it was Denmark. So they're doing some of these man-on-the-street interviews, and they interview this guy, and they say, why do you think Denmark, as it turns out, is the happiest place on earth? And so the guy responds, he says, low expectations. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, it's, I think it's really true. I think that one of the downsides of reading business books and leadership books and going to business conferences is that it raises your expectations. And it wouldn't be so bad if it was just for yourself, but it raises your expectations of what you want in a boss. And by those kinds of standards, those kinds of ideals, every boss is going to fall short because every boss is human. Every boss is going to have their pluses and their minuses and their faults and their foibles. And so you just got to be careful about not having too high of expectations. I'm not not saying you should settle, but I am saying that don't be surprised or don't be shocked when a boss fails you in some way, because probably you're going to do the same thing for your people. And I think for all of us, we want to exercise grace. Okay. So part of this I agree with and part of it I don't agree with. <laughs> oh, I love it. Can we have a fight? Yeah, I know. You you always want to fight. I mean, it's, I, know, I, enjoy I forgot it's to bring podcast, my whistle. not a boxing ring. Okay. Um, but so on the one hand, I mean, you and I are both bosses. And so we hope that our people um, have low expectations. Our, our teams, well, <laughs> if not low expectations, reasonable ones, you know, because certainly we have bad days and we fail at things and there are areas that we're more or less competent at. On the other hand, I hope what we're not saying is that you should just have reasonable expectations for like being abused at work. No, you know? no, 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 um, no. Because I think that- um, That's not okay. That's going to lead to health problems, relationship disintegration at home, um, all kinds of negative things. And so we're going to get into this later, um, but we're not saying that you should just learn how to deal with a bad boss and kind of tolerate it. Okay. I got an example of that very thing. Okay. So I had um, a boss at one point, I forgot about this boss when I was going through my litany of bad bosses, but this was perhaps the worst incident of this at all. And that is that I had a boss do a reply all to me and to all my direct reports when we missed some numbers on our division. And he basically said, what the bleep happened? How, how could you you know, fail to, to accomplish your plan. And this is completely unacceptable. And so he went through a whole blizzard torrent of stuff and embarrassed me not only, it, it would have been bad enough if he'd just done it to me, but he did it on email oh. and he did it with all my direct reports. Oh, it's horrible. It's and so I went home just, you know, I, I said to Gail, I said, this is just like unbelievable. I can't, I can't believe that this guy did this. And I said, I, I feel like I've got to say something to him. And so I mustered the courage, and it was not easy because I felt it felt like I was really at risk, putting myself at risk. But I called him on the phone. He lived in another city, and I called him on the phone, 
And I said, hey, you know that thing yesterday when we had that email exchange and you said what you said? I said, I want you to know that's completely unacceptable. You diminished me in front of my direct reports. You undermined my leadership. And I said, I'm just going to tell you right now, if that happens again, I will resign on the spot. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm not trying to be dramatic, but I'm saying that is unacceptable behavior. Well, the amazing thing about it was in this particular case, he didn't realize till that moment that he'd replied all. Oh, gosh. And so then he was embarrassed and he was so apologetic, but I felt like it was sort of necessity. And that's, you know, it's not something that I'm, it's, it's easy for me to do. I've only done it a few times in my career, but I felt like it was important for my integrity to be able to establish those boundaries. So I'm just agreeing with you that this, we're not talking about lowering your expectations right. to the to the point where you're willing to be abused. There are times when you have to speak out for the sake of your own leadership. Or quit, you know, and you may That's not right. be able to do it immediately, but you need to have integrity and you need to have standards about what is what you're willing to tolerate. But you got to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I think your mom is the best at this, you know, and she's an Enneagram seven for those of you that know what that is. So she's always got the positive spin, but she's always saying, and, and Bob Goff says this too, what's the least creepy explanation for that behavior? Right. In other words, because you can kind of invent this narrative that that somebody got up and they, with malicious intent, you know, determined that they were going to hurt you that day. And that's not just how, that's not how the world works generally. You know, when people hurt us or they they disappoint us, it's it's usually accidental. And so to give people the benefit of the doubt, but speak up if it's necessary too. So step one in dealing with a bad boss, manage your expectations. Step number two is evaluate the impact. And I want to pause here to share a bad boss story from one of our listeners named Kinsley, and she shares this story. My worst boss experience has been working for someone who had no interest in taking feedback or valuing the input of his team members. The team members were a phenomenal group of high-performing individuals, but there is nothing they could say to have a value-added input to the boss. Now, that's frustrating. I think we've all been in situations like that, but it's probably a little different than the situation that you just experienced or related, or the one that you shared at the outset, Megan. So not all bad bosses are created equal. Right. Talk about the the various kinds of impact that, that they can have and how you might respond. Yeah. So, you know, in our examples... At the beginning, we're really talking about people who are abusive, you know, so that's sort of like on one end of the spectrum. Probably on the other end of the spectrum is incompetent. You know, they don't know how to lead and therefore, um, you know, don't set their direct reports and the rest of their team up for success. So things like being inaccessible, for example, which can produce a lot of frustration for people not providing direction, um, not providing feedback, all those things are, you know, either areas of incompetence or, uh, or something else, you know, but it's not as egregious as being abusive, but it is certainly frustrating. Well, like the micromanaging example I gave that. Yeah. That definitely was not abusive. Or I had another boss who was so unreliable that when I would get to his office for my one-on-ones each week, half the time, he was either late or he just didn't show up. You know, he was busy and canceled the meeting after I had driven to another campus where that building was located right. uh, to meet with him. And that's that's not an abusive one either. But you got to evaluate the impact. Yeah. You, you kind of need to know what you're dealing with and how serious is it. And I think I think the reason that's important is because each one of these requires a specific... Uh, may require a different response. So, for example, in an abusive situation, it may require that you know you put your big boy pants on and go in and have an adult conversation right. with that abusive boss. Right. 
On the other hand, it may require, this is the opposite end of the spectrum, that you just learn to be more patient and tolerate it because you're not going to fix everything in every personality that you're dealing with. Some things are just things that we have to manage around or manage through and and we can't blow up the entire situation because it just happens to annoy us. It's also probably important to say, even um, you know, on, on the other end of the spectrum, you've got incompetent. You've also got just different, you know. So there are different That's personality cool. types that that may not be quite a quote unquote bad boss, but it could be a difficult boss for you. Someone mm-hmm. who's really structured, if you're not really structured, or uh, someone who is maybe less structured, and you happen to be like a, a big planner and and kind of rigid in the way you think about things. Things and you want a lot of direction and a lot of clarity that that may be less possible. That's going to be really common, actually. And so I think that requires a different kind of response to deal with someone who's just wired differently than you are. That's not incompetent. They're not abusive. They're not overbearing and micromanaging. They're just they're just different than you are. And you have to kind of figure out how to speak a language that is maybe for you a second language. That that's where I think you can also transform what looks like a negative into a positive. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So in other words, this is one of the things we love about personality tests. We did an entire episode on this and we'll drop it in the show notes. But we talked about personality tests, but it, it moves you from a place of being annoyed to a place of appreciation. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, maybe my my boss is, you know, a certain personality type that requires him or her to be really focused on the details. And that's just not me. But that's just how we're different. And it's probably a good thing. That's a gift to the organization that they have that. And it's good that we're not all the same. So again, I think it's just all part of evaluating the impact yep. and being honest about it. Because I think it's it's easy. Where I've seen this the worst is where people are unwilling to confront bad behavior because they're afraid to confront bad behavior. And so they think, well, you know, it's just me. I just need to develop more patience. I mean, this is why people stay in abusive relationships. Yeah. They put it all on themselves instead of looking at it objectively. Step number one, dealing with a bad boss, is to manage your expectations. Step number two, evaluate the impact. And step number three, consider your options. And you've outlined already a few of these possible options that you could take. And I want to share with you a couple of bad boss stories from our listeners and see what advice you would give in this situation. This one is from Tom Tonkin, and he says this, I was helping my new boss that we had acquired through an acquisition. I was giving him the lay of the land, the political pitfalls, and so on. He flew in to see me, and for the next four hours, in the hotel lobby, in front of everyone, he yelled at me, telling me he was going to fire me. Within about 10 minutes, I figured out the problem. He thought I was trying to take his job. Wow. So what advice would you give to Tom Tomkin or in a situation like that where someone publicly humiliates you, maybe because they're intimidated by you? I think this is where you have to evaluate the range of options. And I, I think this is highly contextual. Like, what other options do you have? You know, is the only other option to quit and be unemployed? You know, and I, I know that's the big fear that people hold out, but I'm just saying you've got to be very deliberate about this. So for me, here's what that would look like. I probably wouldn't respond in the moment. I'd be tempted to. I don't think I would sit there for four hours, though. And Not for four hours. On. I no. mean, if, if I knew 10 minutes in that somebody thought I was after their job and that that's why they were berating me, I think I would interrupt the moment and just say, wait a second. I, I think that this is the difference between me and you, though. I think I think that you're more intuitive 
and you see things more clearly immediately. For me, I need more processing time. Sure. And so I'm not saying it's four hours, but for me, it wouldn't be good as if I just like flew off at the handle at the first, you know, the first spark that that flew. I'd be better to just kind of sit there and take a deep breath and and put a little space between that stimulus and sure. my response. I would trust you more than I would trust me in that situation. But but I do think that that we train people how to treat us. Yeah. And if we don't speak up in that situation, we're going to get more of that. And and that's why I felt it necessary in the example I gave before, the boss who, you know, did the reply all and embarrassed me with the email, that if I didn't speak up, and my fear was that I was just going to get more of that, and that was unacceptable, and I couldn't lead that way. And plus, I had other options. So I think, you know, you've got to decide, can I tolerate this or not? I think that's a legitimate option in some situations where somebody maybe occasionally does something like that. Maybe they're kidding, they embarrass you. You know, say, well, you know, they were having a bad day or that was just a, you know, bad judgment on their part. I'm not going to confront that. I'm going to tolerate it. I will say as a boss, I would rather somebody bring something to me. Me too. Than to not know about it and have, for example, embarrass someone. You know, first of all, I never intentionally do that. It's just kind of like a ethical thing from my perspective. Um, But I would want to know, you know, I'm sure that there are things that I don't do as well as I could. And I I want my people to come to me and, you know, kind of coach up, so to speak, tell me what I can do to help set them up for success. And if you have a boss who's receptive, maybe, um, you know, not kind of like up to snuff in some area, but, but would be willing to hear your feedback, then coaching up and providing some feedback can be really helpful. Um, you probably see things that they don't see. And that's certainly how I feel about my direct reports. You know, they experience me and uh, my leadership in a different way than I do, for totally. sure. Um, but that's not always possible. I mean, sometimes you're dealing with someone who just doesn't have the emotional intelligence or humility or whatever to, to accept feedback. And then you're really looking at like a confrontation that needs to happen. Well, and one of the things that I think can help the coaching up, and this is you know, whether it becomes coaching up or confrontation is just ask the question, you know, there's something, ask for permission. You know, there's, there's something I'd like to share with you, but I want your permission to speak freely. Well, then if they say yes, then, you know, they're opening themselves up to what you've got to say. Mm -hmm. I I would say that if there, if it is the confrontation, again, you got to assume the benefit of the doubt. Like what I would do is say, look, I'm sure you didn't intend this, Yeah. but here was the result. Right. So I'm giving the benefit of the doubt. I'm assuming that it was a bad day or poor judgment or something else. But I also want to confront it. I don't just want to let it slide. And I've had employees do that with me before, uh, including you. And I, I think it's enormously helpful. And I think that as a boss, to kind of go back to your prior point, it's really helpful to open yourself up to this kind of feedback because your executive coach, if you had one, is not going to be able to see the things that they're going to see. Your peers are not going to see the things that you're, that the people that are working for you are going to see. So the more you can open yourself up to that sort of 360-degree input – the better off you're going to be as a as a leader. And so I would, would welcome that. I would say in my own experience, if not all, almost all of the stupid things I've done as a boss, you know, the like bad boss moments I've had have been unconscious. And so for that reason, um, I, I'm grateful for the benefit of the doubt because usually when someone comes to me and shares something with me, I'm like mortified, you know, because I, it was not intentional or didn't realize, you know, that I said something in the wrong context and um, I absolutely want to fix it. Now, that's not always going to be the case, but, you know, a lot of us do stupid stuff by mistake, not intention. Well, let's go to another uh, bad boss story. And this one is from Carrie King. 
Walking into an important client meeting, my boss said, I was out at a bar with the client's IT team last night, and we were discussing which girls from the firm are, quote, calendar worthy. And Carrie says, I was just 25 years old at the time, and I still cringe all these years later. Ugh. So what, what do you do in that situation, or what advice would you give where the boss is making inappropriate remarks, at least yeah. inappropriate remarks, uh, what do you do? That's 100% an HR situation to me. I would go directly to HR. I would not confront the boss about it. If there's a power differential, absolutely not. I would go to HR and report it, and then I would stay on it with HR. And you know, it would need to come to some kind of satisfactory resolution if I'm the employee in that situation. Yeah, I, I would probably disagree with, with you on the first step. I would go to the boss. I know there's a power differential. But I think uh, I, I would go to the boss for my own leadership because I think that I need to be courageous enough to confront it. Uh, if I didn't get a response there, like immediate repentance, you know, a full turnaround and an apology, then I would definitely go to HR. Yeah, I think that just assumes, though, a level of confidence and confidence in your own, the security of your own position, you know, that there's not going to be retaliation. Um, and I, this may just be, yeah, may be you, fair. you know, kind of... A gender difference here, but I think um, I think I, I would do that probably in my situation. But I think I can see a lot of situations where that would be difficult, and that's what HR is for, you know, to have those uncomfortable conversations and confront people when they're in violation of, of you know ethics and conduct guidelines. So um, I just would never hesitate to go to HR. Hey everybody, Mike Boyer here. Are you loving the Lead to Win podcast? We hope so, and if you are please take a minute now to rate the podcast on iTunes. Your ratings and reviews are what give first-time listeners the confidence to try Lead to Win. The simple act of leaving a review will help spread the word so other leaders can find these actionable insights and relevant ideas. If you're not sure how to leave a review, just visit lead2.win for a simple tutorial. And while you're there, check out the show notes for today's episode. You'll find all the links and resources mentioned here, plus a few more at lead2.win. Step one in dealing with a bad boss is manage your expectations. Step two, evaluate the impact. Step three, consider your options. And step four, be assertive. Now, we've just been talking a little bit about how assertive to be. And I want to give you another bad boss story and get your reaction to it. This is from James Grossi, another one of our listeners. And he writes this, I was the head of finance for a $10 million organization. The owner was trying to get larger contracts, and one day he asked me, can't you just make it look like we're doing $20 million? I told him that was fraud, and he said, I'm going to call our lawyers and our accountant, and if you're wrong, it's going to cost you your job. Well, needless to say, I resigned on the spot, came in the next day to gather my stuff, and by then he had come to his senses. And apparently, James was able to keep his uh, position, and that questionable reporting never took place. But would you have done the same thing in a similar situation? Yes, I would have. And I've done a similar thing three different times I could tell about. I I think that for any leader, there's going to come a point where you kind of have to put uh, all your poker chips in the middle of the table and bet the farm, including your job that there's an integrity issue that that requires that. And it's never easy, 
uh, but it becomes a defining moment in your leadership where you have clear boundaries. And it's usually it's usually around some kind of ethical issue. And it obviously depends on the industry you're working in or, or the context. But the problem with it is, is that if you're going to create change, it's probably going to take that kind of leverage to enact it. In other words, you, you think, well, you know, I'm not going to do the courageous thing. I'm not going to confront this. I'm going to just try to be an influence. And that usually doesn't work. There's a certain kind of boss or a certain kind of situation that even if the outcome is bad for the sake of your own integrity, you have to do it. You at least have to be willing to walk away. I mean, right. even, even if the ultimate conclusion is that you don't, you have to be willing to walk. I mean, you have to have standards that at some point, it's the point of no return and you know, you're out. Yeah. So I think we have to evaluate the impact. Again, to go back to the previous point, not everything is worth you know, staking your job on. And I can remember distinctly in one situation, it was in the publication of a book. And um, for ethical reasons, I didn't want to publish the book because the author wasn't ethical. And I felt like we were aligning ourselves with that author. And so when I went to my boss and said, look, I don't want to publish this book, I said this, I said, look, I'm not trying to grandstand. You know, I've, I've never done this in my entire history as a publishing professional, but this is one of those things where if you decide to go forward with the book, I have to resign. I just can't allow myself to be mm -hmm. aligned with this. And despite the fact that I said, I'm not trying to grandstand, he said to me, I think you're just trying to grandstand, you know, and this is, this is not that big a deal. And I want you to overcome it. And thankfully, his boss supported me and said, no, you're totally right. We're not going to publish that book. But for about 24 hours, I thought I was going to lose my job. And in fact, I, I went back after that meeting with my immediate supervisor when I said I was going to have to resign. And he was not receptive to me at all. I went back and I said to my assistant, I said, I think we need to start packing me up. And I literally, I mean, I fully expected that I was going to be out of there by the next day. Okay, we're talking about what to do if you work for a bad boss, and secondarily, how not to be a bad boss. And so far, we've talked about these steps. One, manage your expectations. Two, evaluate the impact. Three, consider your options. And four, be assertive. That brings us to step five, support them publicly. So I, th I think this is kind of an interesting one, and you and I may disagree a little bit on this. First of all, what I, I think is important about this point is that it's not usually very effective to uh, confront or shame someone publicly, whether it's your boss or not your boss, it doesn't really matter. But especially if they're your boss, the level of humiliation is going to be greater to be reproved by a subordinate in public. So I think that's just like not a very good persuasive strategy. So I think that's important. I also don't think it means that you say what they're doing is good and you lie about it. Sure. And so that to me is where this gets tricky and we have to be really careful because there's an integrity question here. You know, if, if you were to go around, for example, talking about your bad boss to your peers or to others in the organization about talking about how great they are, that would be out of integrity. You know, that would that would be man that, that that's kind of like a, a codependent behavior of managing someone's image for them in a way that is is destructive to everyone. Um, so I, I don't think that's what we're advocating for here. I think we're just saying there's an effective way of dealing with this that works best when you're challenging them in private rather than gossiping about them in public. Yeah, and I think that's the the key thing I'm trying to avoid is the gossip about them in public because there can exist in an organization a kind of drift or kind of a set of files about somebody and people only bring out the bad stories. And most of us don't work for Hitler, 
You know, we work, don't work for a person that's just so corrupt in their character that everything they do is bad. Usually it's a mix of good and bad. And I'm just saying that sometimes we can bring balance to people's perception by pointing out that person's contribution. And again, not out of alignment with our integrity, but the honest contribution they're making. And one of the bosses I had that was a bad boss was like that. There were some things that he did that were just um, borderline abusive and bad boss behavior. But he also did a lot of amazing things and accomplished a lot of uh, amazing things in terms of business and for his employees. So I just try to keep the balance. But the thing I purposed was that I was not going to hesitate to speak to him in privately about the bad things, but I was I never wanted him to to question my loyalty. I wanted to be able to speak well of him in public, but privately, I wanted to be able to confront him and have influence with him. And I think that's generally uh, a good practice. Public support leads to private influence. You know, the other thing to keep in mind is that oftentimes gossiping is a way to relieve the stress of something that you don't like mm-hmm. without having to exercise the courage to actually deal with it. And Ooh, so just question yourself when you're when you're kind of thinking about how to handle this publicly or privately. Oftentimes we don't want to deal with it privately because it's way harder. Mm-hmm. You know, it's way easier to just make a snide offhanded comment um, or to snicker kind of, you know, under your breath um, while your boss is speaking. And it's way harder to set the appointment and go into their office and actually deal with it. Um, and, and the truth is, is that good leaders are brave um, and you need to hold your own feet to the fire on this one and, and deal with it if there's a problem. Totally agree. Well, I got one more bad boss story, and that will lead us into uh, our sixth action in dealing with a bad boss. And it's from Wendy Batchelter. And Wendy shares this. I had been asked to take on a significant leadership role with a budget of $50 million a year to lead a huge transformation. We hit every milestone, even all of our stretch goals. Then I heard through the grapevine that my boss was planning to post my position. I confronted her, and it turned out to be true. She told me that she wanted someone with more experience, which I understood to mean older, because I'm rather young compared to my peers. Well, it was devastating. I'd built my team of over 50 people from the ground up and delivered impossible goals. It was having such a great time doing it. That's bad. But she goes on to say this. It was terrible at the time, but I have never had such a growth period personally as I did going through what I did. And that brings us to number six, learn from the experience. Wendy was able to do that. Do you think most people can really learn through a bad boss experience? I, I think it depends on your worldview. You know, I, I happen to have a worldview that says nothing happens by accident, that every bad thing that happens to me can have a purpose if I make it so and can lead to good consequences. It's either to test my character, inform me of something. And I, I think particularly in the case of leadership, you can learn a lot more from a bad boss than you can from a good one sometimes. And it, it, it's forced me in working with bad bosses, certain things I don't want to ever have show up in my leadership. And it's, it's led me to question, okay, what would be a better way to do that? So I, th- I think to ask the question, what's the gift in this? Even when you're working for a really, really bad person, I mean, maybe it's just perseverance. Maybe it's to develop patience. Maybe it's to give you a vivid example that you'll never forget of what you don't want to become in your own leadership. But I think if you're open and teachable and you realize that everything that comes to you in life 
you know, can be sort of plowed under as fertilizer and used for your own growth, that can be a really good thing. I totally agree. I mean, I, I think all the time about the bad bosses I've had and how they made me feel when they exhibited certain bad behavior, whether it's incompetence or micromanaging or abusive, you know, behaviors, all those things are like visceral checks for me as a leader that when I find myself with the impulse to do any of those things, I've been there. I know what it feels like. And I don't want the people that are working for me to have that same experience. And it's, it's great accountability, honestly. I wouldn't trade those memories, um, you know, for anything. Well, today we've learned that sooner or later, you'll probably work for a bad boss and you need to be prepared to handle it. And we found some ways to do that. Number one, manage your expectations. Number two, evaluate the impact. Number three, consider your options. Number four, be assertive. Number five, support them publicly. And number six, learn from the experience. So Michael and Megan, what are your final thoughts for our listeners? I would say that um, it's really important that you don't ignore the experience of having a bad boss, both because you can't afford it in the present. You know, if you just kind of endure it and don't really think about it and don't have a plan of action for how to deal with it, um, it could be really damaging to you personally, but also because you'll miss the lessons, you know, and you want those for later. So I think in both cases, it's important to pay attention, to be um, thoughtful about what's happening and why it's happening and what it means for you, and then to act in a way that's appropriate and then don't forget it later. I like that. I think the other thing, just to ask yourself the question, how can I respond in this situation so that years from now when I'm looking back on it, I'll be proud of myself? That's you know, good. And usually that doesn't look like gossip. It doesn't look like cowardice. But how can I look back on it and say, you know what? I'm proud of the way I, I responded to that bad boss situation. Well, thanks guys for these valuable insights. I know I'm going to put some of them to use in my workplace. Wait a minute. Wait a second. Wait a minute. <laughs> not, not even. I have the best boss I've ever had, which is Joel Miller, your husband and your son-in-law. And it's a pleasure to work for him every day. But thank you for these insights. Thank, thank you, Larry. Thank you, Larry. Guys, thank you for joining us for Lead to Win. And join us next time when we'll show you how to create a company that people are begging to join. Seriously. Until then, Lead to Win. This episode of Lead to Win has been brought to you by the Leader Score Assessment, a simple tool to evaluate the health of your leadership. Find out more at leadto.win slash leaderscore.